Um, today, I have the incredible privilege of starting our new series called Irresistible. It's all about Jesus, because Jesus is irresistible. At least if you know him the way that, that I know him, you would think so too. If you just knew how kind and how loving, how gracious and how patient Jesus is, you would want him too. And so our goal with this series is to show you Jesus. If you've been around for a while, um, we want, we're hoping that over this next, these next few weeks that you're going to fall more in love with Jesus as we look at the person of Jesus in Scripture. And if you're new to church or maybe this is your first time, then I want to encourage you to, to listen in, to, um, to experience Jesus, to see who he is. And we want to say to you, come and see, could it be? Today we're going to look at the fact that Jesus is the hope of the world. And I want to tell you a story about a woman who encountered Jesus. And she found him irresistible. So much so that, that she ran. She left what she was doing and she ran to tell everyone else. And she says, come and see a man who told me everything that I've ever done. Could he be the Messiah? Come and see. Could it be? Could he be the hope of the world? So our story today is found in the book of John. It's one of the Gospels, and Gospels just means um, good news. And so it's, it's four different people's accounts of Jesus' life on earth. And so we're going to be reading it from John. It's in chapter 4, verse 1. And um, so Jesus and his disciples are on their way to Galilee, and they're passing through the area of Samaria. And they've been walking all day. They're tired, and so they stop... Um, at a, just by a village called Sakar, and there's a well, the well of Jacob is there. And so they stop at the well, and Jesus sits down and actually says that he sits down warily because he's so tired, and he sends his disciples to the nearby village to go and get food. Now he's hungry and he's tired, and so he's just sitting down to get a bit of rest. And here comes this woman, um, and it says she's a Samaritan woman, and she comes to draw water. Now, I just want to pause there for a moment, because just the fact that he points out that she's a Samaritan woman tells us a lot, because the Jews and the Samaritans did not like each other. Okay, they, they actually, the Jews actually um, uh, thought of the Samaritans as unclean, the same way they would think of pigs as unclean. They wouldn't even dare to talk to them. And um, the Samaritans were a mixed race. Um, culturally, they were from... Um, some Jewish and some Gentile descendants that had intermarried. And so they were this really mixed bunch of people. And even their religions was a bit of a mixture. Um, they had some of the Jewish religions. They had a temple um, that, where they worshipped God. But they, they only took some of it and kind of left out what they didn't agree with. And so in my opinion, they were um, yeah, a little bit confused spiritually. And so this woman comes to draw water. So she's so we know that she's a Samaritan, and, but we also um, learn that she's a sinful woman. Okay, this was 12 o'clock in the day. It was midday. The sun was, was hot, um, and she's, when, you walk, when you come to draw water, you've got to walk the distance. You've got to carry stuff. You've got to 
lower that bucket and pull it up. It's hard work. And then you've got to carry these heavy containers back to your village. So typically the women would all come together because ladies, you know, we don't do anything alone. Like we barely go to the toilets alone when we're out. We do everything in groups. And so they would come as a group in the morning when it was nice and cool or in the afternoon um, as, when the sun had already starting to set. No one would come in the middle of the day. And so here's this woman coming to do this work in the middle of the day when she knows that nobody else will be at the well. And so she's avoiding the other women. And later in the story, we find out that Jesus knows exactly who this woman is and what she's done. He knows that she's had five husbands already and that the, the, the man she's living with now is not even her husband. And so there's a reason that she chooses to come alone um, when she knows that nobody else will be there because she doesn't want to hear the gossip of the other ladies. She doesn't want to be um, looked at with, uh, uh, what's it, Con condemnation. You know, you could just imagine the woman at the well be like, oh my gosh, did you hear? She's on husband number five already. Or no, 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 I heard she's left that one too. And now she's living with this man that's not even her husband. Oh, shh, careful. Don't let her hear you. Be careful. Don't let her come near your, your men. We don't know what this woman would have faced, but she chose not to face that and to rather face the heat of the day and um, yeah, to do something that was way harder just to not be around those women. She, she was a lonely woman. She must have been filled with shame because of choices that she had made. And here's Jesus. So she's walked, she's tired, she's come to the well, and she just wants to get her water and go home. And here's this Jewish man sitting at the well. And Jesus talks to her. And he says, give me a, give me a drink of water. And the Samaritan woman is, is shocked because Jesus is talking to her and asking her for water. And she says, why are you asking me for a drink? You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan. And I love Jesus' reply, so full of love and full of grace. And he says, if only you knew the gift God has for you, you or and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. If only you knew the gift God has for you. So Jesus knows that she's a Samaritan. Yeah, Jesus knows that she's a sinner. And yet he tells her that God has a gift for her. He speaks to her. He shows grace and kindness to her. And I've often thought this when I speak to my family or my friends that don't know God. I think if only you knew the gift that God has for you. If only you knew how good your life could be. Like just come and see. If you knew, you would believe. You would want him too. But she looks at Jesus and she says, um, you don't even have a bucket or a rope. How are you going to give me water? And who do you think you are? Like, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who drank from this well? Jesus replies, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never thirst again. It becomes a, a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And Jesus is talking about salvation. The water is the Holy Spirit that we receive when we believe in Jesus. And this water, the Holy Spirit, will satisfy us and we will never be thirsty again. You see, Jesus knew that this woman had a longing, that she, she was searching for something. 
Why would she go from man to man um, and never be satisfied? Because she was looking for something that no one can satisfy, only God. And Bono said it this way at a, in, a, in a stadium full of people. He said there's a, a God-shaped hole in each of us that only God can fill. There's a longing in us that God has put in us. And I believe it's a desire for him. It's a desire to know him that he put in our heart when he created us because he wanted us to long to know him. And nothing in your life will ever fill that. This woman couldn't fill it. No matter how she tried, um, who she went to, she was always left wanting more. Maybe for a season, that man or, or that thing satisfied, but she was thirsty again. And it's the same in our lives. We can try fill it with wealth or achievements or relationships, money, um, maybe it's adventure. Okay, we can try fill this hole with so many things, but it, and, and, and it does satisfy for a moment. You feel good or you enjoy yourself, but it never lasts. Only Jesus can truly satisfy. And that's what he's saying here. He's saying that when you drink of my water, you will never thirst again. Jesus is offering this woman hope, hope in him, the savior of the world. And the woman doesn't understand what Jesus is saying, and she says, okay, well, give me this water, um, then I won't be thirsty, and I won't have to come here and draw, draw water again. And you see, she wanted Jesus to, to fix that problem for her. She wanted Jesus to make her life easier. Oh, yes, okay. Like, fix this problem, then I can carry on living the way I am, and I won't have to deal with that. But Jesus didn't just want to make her life easier. He didn't want to make her comfortable. He wanted to radically change her life. He wanted her to, to be able to walk with the other women, to rejoin society, to be a part of community again. And so he points her sin out to, him, to her, and he says, okay, well, go get your husband. And she says, oh. I don't have a husband. He says, I know, you speak the truth. You've had five husbands, and the man you're with is not your husband. The man you're living with now, he's not even your husband. And I don't know why she responds this way, but she's like, okay, well, you must be a prophet. And then she starts asking him these questions, like, well, if you're a prophet, then, then why, do you, why do you say we must um, worship in Jerusalem, and, and we say we can worship here? Like, what is the truth? And then Jesus says to her, but a time is coming, indeed it is here now, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Jesus is giving her hope. He's saying things are about to change. You don't have to worry about whether you must worship here or worship there. Like, I have come. I am the hope of the world. I have come to make things different. You won't have to worship in a certain temple because you'll be able to worship God wherever you are. And how great is it that even now, in 2020, when our buildings are closed and we can't come to this building to worship, we can still worship God in our homes. You can listen to this message wherever you are right now and you can encounter Jesus because we can worship him in spirit and in truth. And the woman didn't understand what Jesus is talking about. And that's the beauty. We don't have to understand everything Jesus says. We don't have to understand him. We can still have an encounter with him. And so she doesn't understand him. And he says, well, she says, well, I know the Messiah is coming. 
and the one who's called Christ. And when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. So I don't know what you're saying, but it's okay. The Messiah will come. And then Jesus looks at her and says, I am the Messiah. I am the Messiah. And I can just imagine her in that moment thinking like, is it, could he be? Like he, he knew all these things about me and he's, and he's got all this wisdom and he's un, unpacking all these things for me. Like, is it possible that he could be the Messiah, that he could be the man that we have been hoping for for so long, that we've been waiting for? And just then the disciples get back and the woman, it says she just leaves everything and runs back to the city and tells, and tells all the village and tells everyone what had just happened. And I want to read that part to you. It says, the woman left her water jars, her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I had done. Jesus stayed a few days with the people and taught them, and many more believed. What a great story. Um, what a great way to see Jesus. And I just have two things that I want to take from that story. And the first thing is that an encounter with Jesus changes everything. This woman was hiding away from people. She was alone. She was full of shame. And um, she didn't have hope. And yet an encounter with Jesus changed all of that. She ended up running to the very people that she was hiding from. Um, and, she, and she could tell them, like Jesus saw, like the things that they were skinnering about, the things that they were gossiping about, Jesus knew them. And he, and he accepted her anyway. He spoke to her. He offered her the gift of salvation. Jesus took away her shame and he gave her hope. And when we encounter Jesus, something always changes. Jesus is irresistible. And if we just get to know him, we will see this to be true. And I can relate to the story of the, of the um, Samaritan woman because I was in that place too. When I, didn't, when I didn't know God, I was living for the next best thing. You know, I, I was um, trying to fill, fill this hole, trying to, trying to fulfill myself with money or relationships, um, adventure. I was jumping out of planes and doing all kinds of crazy things because there was something that I needed. There was something that I was desiring. And I didn't meet Jesus at a well. I met him. I had an encounter with Jesus on, my, on the living room floor, sitting there all by myself, and I encountered Jesus, and Jesus changed my life. Jesus was kind. He was patient. <laughs> And he gave me hope for a better future. And over the last 15 years, I've been walking with Jesus and continually having encounters with him. And he has been so patient and so kind and so gentle. And he's walked and, and we've taken it slow and he's helped me to, to, um, to work out my salvation. I didn't have to be perfect when I came to him. In fact, I definitely was not perfect when I came to him. But I've seen how just day in and day out, we've walked in this relationship together and he's shaped me and he's molded me. And I'm so grateful for the person I am today because of Jesus. And so I want to tell you that an encounter with Jesus changes everything. 
So maybe you've been a Christian for a while, and you're thinking, I don't, like, I, I can't um, relate to that passion, or I haven't had an encounter with Jesus. Like, I had that, like, 10 years ago when I gave my life, but I don't have that same thing now. Then maybe you need to have a fresh encounter with Jesus. Because we need to have... We need to have an initial encounter with Jesus where we meet him, where he changes our life and our trajectory is changed and we can start walking in a new direction. But then we walk with Jesus and we encounter Jesus daily. We need to sit in his presence every day. We need to connect with him and encounter him. And every time we sit in his presence, God will do something in your life. Every time we, get, we surrender to him, we connect with him, we worship him, when we sit and read the word and we, um, we get to know him, he changes things in us, one thing at a time. It's a continual process. And so if you've been a Christian for a while, I want to encourage you to have an encounter with Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus again. And you'll see he will change you. Because an encounter with Jesus changes everything. In chapter 42 of the story, it says, Then they said, oh, sorry, verse 42. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. So they heard what she said, and some believed, but, when, but Jesus stayed with them for a few days. He stayed with them, it says, for two days, and, and they chatted to him, and they got to know him. And when they encountered Jesus for themselves, it says they truly believed. And so you can come to church, and you can hear our revelation of the scriptures, and you can hear what we have to say. But unless you encounter Jesus yourself for yourself, you will never truly believe. It's when you encounter Jesus for yourself, you hear his words, you sit in his presence, you connect with your Savior, with the hope of the world, then your life will be changed. The second point that I want to take from the story is that when Jesus changes us, we, can, we can't help but overflow with love to others. So when Jesus changes us, we can't help but overflow with love to others. You see, she left what she was doing, and she ran and she told everyone. It says she actually ran. She ran and she told people. When was the last time that we had an encounter with Jesus where we just couldn't help but tell somebody where God has done something in our lives, something significant or something small in our hearts where we just needed to tell somebody? We needed to run and drop what we're doing and go and share it with somebody. We have the hope that people are so desperately looking for. We know him. We know the hope of the world. We have access to the fountain of living water. And we can't keep this to ourselves. We have to share this with the world. And um, at the, in that story, after the Samaritan woman had left and she had gone to call everyone and, and people were starting to come, the disciples were, were trying to get Jesus to eat. Because remember, he had come to the well and he was sitting because he was tired and he needed to rest. And he was hungry. And the disciples were like, come, like, eat something, Jesus. We brought the food. And he says to them, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. And the disciples are like, 
did somebody come? Like, who fed him? Like, who gave, did he take food from that Samaritan woman? Like, I'm sure they're thinking all kinds of things. But he says to them, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. And then he goes on to tell them that the, the harvest is ripe um, and that they have the privilege of being a part of sharing the gospel with people, of gather, the joy of gathering the harvest. And so we see that Jesus is energized by sharing um, hope with people. He loved, the, like the fact that he got to sit with a woman who had no hope, who, who other people saw no value in, where he could see value in her. He could see who she was going to be, not who she was. Like that energized him. That caused passion. And he didn't, he didn't even need to eat anymore. He, didn't, he wasn't tired anymore. He was excited because he was living for a purpose. And he was accomplishing the purpose that his father had given him. And so that's the other point I want to bring out today, is that we have a purpose. We get to be a part of sharing Jesus with the world. We get to, to be a part of showing the world who the, um, showing the world the hope, okay? especially in this time, in 2020, okay? this crazy year, like we have the hope that is going to help people. We know God. We have Jesus. He is the hope of the world, and we get to be a part of sharing that with someone. In Isaiah 12, verse 3 to 6, it says, With joy you will drink deeply from the fountain of salvation. In that wonderful day you will sing, Thank you, Lord. Praise his name. Tell the nations what he has done. Let them know how mighty he is. Sing to the Lord, for he has done wonderful things. Make known his praise around the world. Let all the people of Jerusalem shout his praise with joy, for great is the Holy One of Israel who lives among us. When we encounter Jesus, when we drink from that fountain with joy, we drink from that fountain of salvation, we can't help but overflow in love for others. And if you're not overflowing with love for others, then you need to have an encounter with Jesus and get into his presence, get into his word, worship, put some worship music on, worship him, take some time, be, um, what's it called, uh, intentional about making sure that you are in God's presence so that this well can well up in you, so that you can be overflow into the world around you. Jesus is the hope of the world. And when Jesus changes us, we can't help but overflow in love to others. So how do we do this? Okay, the woman simply said, I met a man who told me everything I ever did. Come and see, could he be the Messiah? She didn't try to convert people. She didn't try to convince people. All she did was tell of her experience with Jesus. And then she, he, she offered them an invitation, come and see. And that's what we need to do. We need to share what Jesus has done which means we need a testimony, a fresh testimony. Like you don't necessarily have to tell people about the day you got saved or how you came to Jesus, but you can tell them what he did in your life this week. You can tell them what, you can tell them what he's done in your marriage. You can tell them how he's healed you. You can tell them how when you were struggling with that addiction or you were struggling in that sin, how he set you free. You can Tell him how when you prayed for friends, God brought friends, good friends into your life. How you have this community of amazing believers around you because of Jesus. So 
get into God's presence, encounter Jesus, allow him to change something in you, and then go and tell somebody what he's done for you. You don't have to convince them. You don't have to convert them. Just tell them what Jesus has done for you. And then we simply need to invite them to come and see. And this is one of our goals with this series is to make it easy for you to invite your friends. We want to just look at Jesus and who he is and make it simple so that you can invite your friends to come and experience Jesus too. So I want to encourage you, if you're a Christian and you're part of this church, invite somebody to these series. Okay, invite them to come with you next Sunday. Or after the series, send, send them the link to, to the video. All of our um, series are on, or all of our sermons are on our website. You can just send somebody a link and they can go and watch it on their own time in their own space. But I do want to encourage you to invite. Okay, so we share what Jesus has done and then we invite them to come and see for themselves. Because when they see for themselves, they can have an encounter with Jesus and he can change their lives. In Mark 8, verse 34 to 37, it says, Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, If any of you wants to be my followers, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will be lost. But if you give up your life for my sake, for the sake of the good news, you will be saved. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Nothing is worth more than your soul and of those around you. It is so important that we reach people, that we lead people towards Jesus, the hope of the world. And I don't think that we can truly love people unless we care about their eternities, unless we care about their, their destinies in God. And please don't be weird about this, okay? <laughs> you, don't, this is, you don't have to be weird, okay? All you need to do is share what Jesus has done in you and then invite people to come and see. And it says, what good is it if you gain the whole world? Okay, you can have the best job and, and be respected as a, you know, as a, a lawyer or this or that, or you can, um, you can have money, you can have fame, you can have all these things. But if you don't have your soul, what good is it? Okay, if, if the people that you're living with don't know Jesus, what good is it? So I want to encourage you to share your faith with people. Share what Jesus has, has done in your life. But first, you need to encounter Jesus, that he can change something in you. And then as he changes you, go and tell people what he has done. And so for me, this, it, it, it looks super simple. Um, I pray for opportunities all the time. Uh, we've got a few friends that that we know do not, are not in a relationship with Jesus. And every time I go see them, I pray before, God, give me an opportunity to say something, just one thing. And I'll often have those opportunities just to share something that God's doing. During this pandemic, um, we've had so many opportunities where we could say, yes, this is hard, but I have faith because God is good. Yes, God has provided in this way. Um, I'm not, I, don't, I don't live in fear because I have faith in Jesus. There's so many times, and there was once where I spoke to a lady um, in one of the mom's groups that I'm part of, and I had prayed that day, like, God, give me an opportunity to speak to someone today. And um, at the mom's group, she just started sharing the, the hectic time that they're going through. And all I said to her was like, if I'm going through something, I find my hope in Jesus. Like, why don't you come to church with me on Sunday and come and see? If he can do it for me, 
He can do it for you. And she did come. And her and her, her husband gave their lives to Jesus. And so I want to encourage you, take the opportunities, pray for people, get in God's presence, encounter Jesus, and then go and tell somebody else. Okay, in closing, I'm just going to pray for you. God, I want to thank you that you are the hope of the world. Thank you, God, that you love us. Thank you, God, that you are kind and gracious and loving. And Jesus, thank you that you walk with us every day. Thank you that you're wanting to change our lives and make it better. Thank you that you don't point out sin in our lives as a condemnation, but you point it out to say, no, no, I don't want to just put a plaster on. I don't want to just make you comfortable. I want to actually radically change your life from the inside out. And so God, I pray for every person that's listening to this message. I pray that they would open up their hearts to you, that they would allow you to point out things in their lives that, um, that are hurting them. God, that's not good for them. You know what's best for them. To help them to open up their lives, to see what you're saying, and to allow you to change them from the inside out. We love you, God, and I thank you for what you're doing in, in my life and in people's life. In Jesus' name, amen.